0: Welcome to the Big Data Perspective.
1: When it comes to big data, everyone wants a success story. Today, we're talking with Sean Rogers, Chief Research Officer at Statistica, about elements of what holds people back from big data success. I'm Joanna Schloss, and this is the Big Data Perspectives. Good morning, Sean.
0: Hey, Joanna. Nice to hear your voice.
1: Yeah, good to chat. So... Well, you know, we both get to see how big data com- big companies adopt big data, and we're, we often see them launching projects only to fail to achieve the results that they're looking for. In in your perspective, what do you see as holding them back from true success?
0: You know, I. I, I've I've had the pleasure and the agony of watching an awful lot of projects over the last 10 years and, you know, it, it's like anything else and you could kind of enumerate all of those bullet points that are kind of consistent with any, uh, you know, technology-driven project. You know, did you did you have good scope? Did you understand what the return on investment was going to be? Did you have the right players involved? Did you have an executive stakeholder? You know, and, and, and all of those things are necessary but very common across the board. I, th- I I think with big right. data uh, in general, people started to feel like some of the systems that were out there were a catch all and kind of a, a magical solution to a lot of problems. And, and mm-hmm. early on, I saw uh, people trying to force fit. Uh, big data projects uh, into or onto platforms where they probably didn't need to be. And there was also, I think, a preoccupation with the data itself. I think there was an awful lot of excitement around collecting that data and being able to hold on to more data than we ever had before. I I give talks about some of the technologies in the space, and I've always said that the most dangerous thing you can encounter is a sea level uh, business person who just got off an airplane and just read a, a business magazine with a bunch of buzzwords in it and big data and others were certainly very common early on in the space and then they would walk back into the boardroom or the office and declare well we need one of these and let's go do it and, right. and they never thoroughly understood the path to getting there and so you know I think having a strategy around big data is extremely important today I don't mm-hmm. think all of our enterprise data belongs in uh, all of those wonderful traditional places that we used to try to jam it, and, uh, right. and I think smart companies are diversifying their strategy towards big data in a way that makes sense to them. So I think everybody's uh, focus on it's going to be different, but I, I think it needs to be part of what you do, but I think you have to take a common-sense approach
1: to it. That makes sense. The the if-you-build-it-they-will-come approach it proves that to be not successful yet again. So, with these failure to launches on these big data platform initiatives, how do you see these sort of, I would say, like failing to deliver on the promise affecting analytics, right? You and I are both analytics enthusiasts, and analytics requires data, um, and all this data being gathered but not delivering on the promise, do you see them... Um, affecting our analytic projects because ultimately um, I think we're in agreement that analytics drives a lot of these useful projects Um, but how do you see um, this failure to launch affecting that 360 degree view of their customers or their business and any kind of insight you might be able to give them on how they can still deliver the analytics even though the project may have somewhat fell short of their promise.
0: Yeah well you know what's that old phrase don't boil the ocean right make sure that you're you're kind of looking at things through a, a finely focused filter especially around big data i think i think it easy for us to get over-enthusiastic on these projects, and they certainly can crawl out of scope pretty easily. But I like the way you phrased the question, you know, delivering on the value. I, I've always felt that analytics in general and even advanced analytics are is the mechanism that does deliver the value and does give that 360-degree view or deeper insight of customers and, and how they're interacting, whether it's with your brand or your service. And I think a lot of people in the early days got a little distracted by the technology and the collection process around the the big data uh, space, but didn't spend as much time as they could have or should have around getting the insight and taking action. And I think Mm -hmm. that if you have a mechanism in place that delivers insight, and you mentioned 360 degree view of customers, um, even if it's, you know, 290 degrees, it's probably a huge improvement (laughs) over what most companies have today. And it's (laughs) the analytics to get you there, right? So if you have the, if you have the insight from the analytics meshed or or right alongside of the right data, and then you're able to ultimately take action, I think that that's what is the life preserver to a lot of these uh, early and not super well planned out big data projects. Uh, If you find yourself standing, uh, you know, inside of your company and you're looking around and you're marveling at all the data you've collected, uh, marveling at the insight, the action... You've right. got a problem and right. but that's you still can you can still solve it and I think you know your point is is that you know you can you can still throw a life preserver around what you may or may have done with big data um because the great part is is you know generally it does hold true the, the more data we have the more interesting the insights can be and and the analytic platforms today enable that so
1: okay well it sounds like it would be wise for our customers as um, achieving small goals in, in reasonable time frames. And, you know, as you said, not to boil the ocean, but to take advantage of, of all the data that we are now able to very quickly curate and you know, pull together. Um, I like your life uh, preserver analogy. Um, but we did mention how, you know, a lot of our customers became in love with the technology, right, and the buzzwords. It seems like in the last couple of years, the whole analytics space is now experiencing a, let's say, a renaissance of buzzwords as well from, you know, cognitive neural, deep learning, machine learning, you know, culminating in the most practical, I think, is the advanced analytics are all being pushed around in the marketplace today um, as the next hottest thing. Um, Being that you've been in the space for advanced analytics and analytics at large for, you know, several decades, could you share with us why it's become um, resurfaced, right? Why has this caught fire once again? And, And some of the Impetus around this and how our customers can potentially sift the buzzwords from the practical and the useful.
0: Yeah, well, playing buzzword bingo um, in in <laughs> our industry is is a pretty easy <laughs> thing to do if you read industry news on a daily basis. And I, you know, I absolutely agree. It, they the coverage that I see in this space does make an awful lot of these things sound like they're brand new hot technologies. And and right. I. I I'm not sure I I, I agree. I, I kind of think it's that that kind of old saying of you know everything you know everything old is new again. You know, advanced analytics, for instance, has been in our industry for decades. Uh, some of the market leaders have been around you know 20, 30 years with some of their technology, and they do a wonderful job of you know delivering this insight and 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 being able to make things actionable against whatever data is available. Now, what's really changed, I think, is our ability to have more data available, which adds more value to the insight. And then on the other side is these uh, traditional technologies like advanced analytics have become a lot more consumable um, mm-hmm. I think all of the leaders in the market are spending a lot of time and energy and investment to kind of democratize access to these more sophisticated forms of data analysis um, mm-hmm. you know everybody's heard that term data scientist the, you know the sexiest job on the planet this <laughs> unicorn as they call them you know but that's already kind of come and gone I mean data scientists are still really cool but at the same time power users and citizen data science uh, people, uh, folks that are, um, you know, kind of living on the far edge of the BI side and kind of jumping that gap to uh, deeper analytics, uh, these people lack fear and they want to get their hands on the tools and the insight and they want to infuse their Uh, business insights with uh, things like predictive analytics instead of just historical views of their business. And so, you know, I think it's a pretty exciting time, you know, uh, all keywords and buzzwords aside, uh, no matter what technologies you're looking to uh, bring from an insight standpoint, I think they've become a lot more consumable. And I think the old, um, you know, the old consumption model is broken. I, I remember the first time I wanted some predictive insight into data I had many years ago. And you know, frankly, I wasn't capable of driving the platform. It was right. too difficult. It wasn't user-friendly. And and so you had to go down the hallway and ask, and, and then wait. <laughs> and uh, that is not the speed of today's business, right? Uh, now, no one wants to wait. People are interested in self-serving or at least going to get it on their own. And um, that kind of brings up the, the foundation stuff here, which is how big data enables these insights and how the new technologies that have been in the, the technologies that have been in the marketplace for a long time are taking a new approach to empower more people.
1: Right, right. I think it's interesting that in our times, you know, they're ponying up these terms as novel and new. And um, my favorite VP of R&D suggested to me the other day that machine learning is nothing more than just statistics on a system right on a cluster and we've been doing that for decades right and I would argue that businesses don't want to run their business on net new novel analytics that are unproven and, and untried right that's pretty risky for a large company um, but I, I like your idea that because of the democratization of data and the and the accessibility and this notion of end user access for this content is now you know revitalizing these analytics and delivering them to a broader audience so that more people can be introspective and start looking at the content and delivering on that. Um, I think of it as the journey, and I I know we've talked about this before, um, but the journey is more important than potentially the milestones along the journey, right? So many of my analysts are much more interested in asking that next question why? and the next question of how or what, and I think all these platforms deliver that ability to to create that journey with these models, Um, and the data supports it, right, and and how do you see models changing um, in the next few years, right, do you have some insight into sort of, in the past, we would go to the... The pocket protecting data scientist slash unicorn <laughs> right. and say, oh guru of all things, build me a model that does you know mortgage optimization against you know customer base, right? And he would go off and build an e- build an elegant and beautiful model and then deliver us some ne- metrics. But I think you were suggesting that's changing as well. Um, how do you see that changing? And how do you see what do you imagine as the emerging uh, on the other side the, with models and creativity from that perspective?
0: Well, you know, I think there's a couple of things going on, and, and, you know, and I'm hesitant to always, you know, speed and scale come to mind, but it's not maybe the traditional speed and scale that we might think about when you hear someone utter that phrase. The mm-hmm. speed part is, are we able to react to the business at the speed of the business? And that wasn't part of the model many years ago, especially around advanced analytics. You know, you had to wait in that hallway after you made the request and right. you didn't get your insight sometimes for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, you know, you and I saw many uh, types of workloads uh, many years back where, you know, they would set the model in place, they'd hit, start hitting the data and then everyone would leave and come back yeah. two days later. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's right. And, and Much hope, time, and, not even. Yeah. like (laughs) and hope like heck that the model ran, you know, so now there's the speed thing, and part of the speed thing is the ability to influence the insight value through iteration. So it used to be you had to take a rifle shot at the data. Now you can take more of a shotgun approach and iterate over the data and be more exploring in nature, Um, Mm -hmm. because it's faster. So that's the speed part. The scale part that's interesting for me that's kind of different right now isn't about the data scale, um, which is generally where we go with that part of the conversation. It's more about can you scale um, the actual analytic practice in your business. So using our traditional sort of footprint, go down the hall, ask someone to help you, that was that was kind of small, you know, that was a very sort of small scale. There was a handful of people that were smart enough to ask the questions, and there were a handful of models that a company was running to understand their business better. We see customers in the marketplace now that have thousands and thousands of active models, and they're not just in the environment of a data where, you know, uh, safely behind the firewall of their company. Some of these models are sitting on IoT devices way out at the edge or in between, right? And so... Mm The scale issue today isn't around can, I mean, I guess I'm sure there's some vendors that struggle with scale of data, but I think it's more scale of management and governance. Can, yeah. can I optimize uh, my analytic environment? Do I have a tool or suite of tools that allow me to make sure that I am getting the very best output from all of these models? You know, when we used to babysit, um, you know, just a couple of them, it wasn't that big a deal, but now with the diversity of models that com- customers 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 want to run and the pure scale of them, I think there's kind of going to be a new shift towards, you know, centralization, better management, better optimization, and so on. Because, you know, even the best models start to fall apart over time, and you have to go back and and check their validity and make sure that you're, you know, on target with this analytic insight. And that's going to become more and more difficult as customers sort of scale up. So for me, uh, scale and speed are are kind of two of these new different, differentiating things and and perhaps diversity. You know, I mentioned IoT and, and right. analytics outside your environment. We're, we're starting to see our customers wanting to do analytics just about everywhere, whether it's wow. inside of a database or on a gateway or next to an IoT sensor or on an industrialized PC in a utility environment. I mean, it's it's getting kind of crazy. And And I think, you know, going back to the conversation of big data, Um, I think that's also substantiated by what we see in the big data space, which is you know, kind of allowing your data to live where it should and not always trying to necessarily shove and push it around. I think data has significant gravity today, and so there's some places where it's good to let the data be where it is instead of always trying to uh, bring the data to the analytic. I think people are going to want more to bring their analytic to the data.
1: That makes sense. I love that. It's like, um, it's like traveling, and I know you're a seasoned traveler. Anytime we get off a plane, it just adds complexity and risk, right? Um, and it sounds like potentially the way we deal with big data analytics and how we deliver that data where it is, um, the fewer jumps we have, the more successful we may be in affecting those changes and, and being agile, right? I know agile is another one of those buzzwords that everyone's adopted, but in this case, it does sound like you're you are describing an analytic environment that is both agile, um, you know, speed, speedy, right, um, as well as evolutionary, right? As you gain more insight, in theory, what I heard you say is you can then optimize your models again wherever it is, um, create it. Make it better, tweak it, and then run it again, and and ultimately have uh, a faster, more efficient way of delivering value and increasing that um, insight and increasing the why and the where of what you're doing, you know, with more confidence. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, the iteration part, I think, is something that's pretty important. And, you know, I, you and I had a conversation a, a year or so ago about this, this speed gap. And, you know, and when is fast, fast enough, and then when does the value proposition shift? And I think that, you know, you had some very interesting insights around that topic that at some point, analytics are moving fast enough that it's not just the speed of the answer. It's the ability to look at the problem multiple ways. So if you can stand back and look at analytics and say, well, I'm going to run these three models and then decide which one's giving me the best input. And I can do that so fast that I can still keep up with the business. That's Mm -hmm. kind of a newfound value in this. And so I think the smart companies are going to look at doing that as well.
1: Right, I agree, I agree. You mentioned in passing around the idea of governance and using the data where it was, right? I think of it as mm-hmm. data in situ. Um, no, I feel like we have to address, and rightly so, the idea of privacy, right? Um, customers uh, have all sorts of Different kinds of secure and private data, and I and I feel like some of our customers are leery of uh, creating analytics around data that uh, does affect privacy. Do you see? Privacy adoption, governance, and security as a continuing barrier for big data and analytics. And if you, whether you're, depending on your opinion, how do you see um, consumers and customers alike uh, taking steps to sort of overcome that um, barrier to entry, shall we say, or barrier to adoption?
0: Well you know I think it's it's a very interesting topic and uh and I do I talk on this topic a fair amount because I'm kind of enamored by it and my my slogan that goes with it is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and I think a lot of I think a lot of companies are struggling with that and it's part culture and part governance and part regulatory when we start talking about you know privacy issues and I've seen a lot of use cases where companies have realized that with all this great big data and this mm-hmm. really great analytics that they can suddenly do things that they could never do before. And just right. because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. And some companies are are learning really hard lessons on that. That, um, and some of them are rather public um, mm-hmm. and embarrassing. And then there's other companies that are getting pretty smart and making sure that they're aligned uh, corporately and culturally as to what they're doing with data. And, you know, every business will have, you know, strict issues around personally identifiable data or PII or, you know, in the healthcare world, HIPAA data and so on. And that stuff kind of comes with governance that's easier to understand. But, you know, in other segments or or verticals within our industry, people are over-innovating and they're Mm -hmm. finding themselves in trouble. And I think at the core of this over-innovation side is a couple of things to think about. And, And I call it PCA. And PCA for me is do you have permission, is the context correct, and are you accurate? And if you start to think about some of your interactions, maybe in online shopping where you're, you're suddenly surprised that the website seems to know something about you that you don't remember telling the website, um, you know, that starts to start make you think about, well, did I give permission for this data to be shared here? And did I, did I authorize access to this information? And I think customers and consumers are starting to get, um, you know, a little bit sensitive to that. And then Mm -hmm. I think, we don't get annoyed at sort of over innovation if it's in uh, the correct context you know if i'm if i'm shopping for baseball gloves and an ad shows up on the right side for a baseball glove and it's a good deal. I, I tend <laughs> not to be nearly annoyed as, as I might be at some other advertisement that seems out of context, right? Right. And
1: right. and then
0: last and then last bit is the accuracy thing. You know, I I tell a story that years ago I my wife asked me to purchase uh, doorknobs for our cabinets in the kitchen, and you know I'm 52 years old and I've never bought a doorknob in my life. And I right. went online to Knobs R Us or whatever the website was, and I bought some cool things that my wife liked and I installed them. And then for the next couple of weeks, everywhere I went on the internet, I saw ads uh, for this uh, website. And I thought, well, it's not very accurate. I, I already made my purchase. Why are you right. still? tracking me. And, and, and I think you see, you have to be careful with the permission, the context of what you're doing and how accurate your analytics are. I don't think that that solves all the problems, but I do think that at the tip of the spear, uh, it's something that needs to be considered. And then at the, at the backside, You have to agree on what your culture is for innovation, especially when we're using data. Um, You know, and and Joanna, you and I have talked about the cool things that you can get when you take data point A, B, and C and bring them together, and you're able to derive data. And that's something that consumers don't really understand, that a couple of data points mashed up from different resources can actually give me a picture or insight of a customer uh, that you may find unexpected right? You may not be comfortable with me deriving that information about you, and it it could be your gender, it could be your salary range, it could be the region of the U.S. you live in. I mean, there's all kinds of data points that can be derived, but I see that a lot of the people I deal with and talk to about privacy, um, you know, you don't necessarily have permission to derive data. You don't have permission um, to kind of pull that data from other data sources. So as big data gives us access to so much more, we have to remember that just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so corporately, you have to have a culture in place and some governance to make sure that people aren't over-innovating.
1: Okay. Well, certainly it sounds like we are in in agreement as... Privacy governance and security is not only a technology issue um, and the can you do issue, but much more a cultural issue and a ought you to be ought you be doing this you know as a practical perspective right? How would you feel? Perhaps um, your PCA acronym reminds me of the saying that I say, which is, would you do this with your grandmother? Would you say this to your grandmother as you post things or create? derived data, how would you make your grandmother feel, right? Because we all have a grandmother that we wouldn't want to upset. So, uh, if it passes the, the, pre- the permission context and, you know, accuracy tests with your grandmother, it might be the way to go. If you can't get past that test, you might want to rethink what we're doing. So, we're coming to the end of our time together today. Um, and given that we're about to hit the new year, I would be remiss to not give you an opportunity to do a little bit of predictions for next year and maybe for the future beyond. So what do you see in the world of analytics and big data? What trends are you seeing and what might you think will be different when we chat again next year this time?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, you led me to a couple of them and I've definitely kind of touched on it, but I do think it's not the, the hottest topic in the world, but as analytics and advanced analytics continue to mature and more people get their hands on it, I do think think that some level of standardization and control and governance is going to start to play a role because, as I mentioned, in the early days of having a couple of models, a couple, handful of algorithms within a business, uh, that was easy to manage. Now it's going to be thousands and as we become more prolific with our utilization of advanced analytics, um, you're going to have to have better governance and control and standardization. And I also think it's very important that that particular topic play a role uh, around the data scientists because data scientists are still right there at the top of the pyramid and they're kind of the deep thinkers around analytic practices, but you can't scale them because most companies are lucky to have one or two, uh, let alone a whole group of them. So. The data scientists will want to have a framework to work within so that their uh, their work can be reused as a standard by others within the business. And I think that that's going to help a lot with uh, kind of this democratization thing that I was talking about. So I think governance is going to be a topic next year for all of us who are really getting serious around uh, analytics. I think analytics all over the place or everywhere is going to be pretty interesting. I kind of touched on that earlier. Uh, okay. I think the world of IoT is quickly um, moving away from the buzzword bingo side of things to just kind of discussing uh, this opportunity to do analytics you know, everywhere in your sort of uh, data landscape. Mm-hmm. Again, because partially because of uh, uh, the gravity of data or the speed of data, but just basically the idea of being fast and being able to do analytics where you want. Uh, so I think analytics at the edge and everywhere are part of it, and I think that we'll see a more sophisticated view of this, um, which is something I call concentric analytics, which is these sort of radiating waves of how analytics will be different mm-hmm. at different um, look, you know, picture a bullseye um, at each radiating or, or concentric circle that goes out from the center, the workloads will be different. The data weights will be different, the data types will be different, and the analytics will be different. And so, orchestration across that, tar- you know, those those rings are going right. to be very important because uh, as as data is analyzed at, say, in a manufacturing process off an IoT sensor, that data will eventually move somewhere else or find a resting place somewhere else, and the work that you do on that uh, data will look different than the work we're doing bef- between uh, or behind our firewall. So, I think you're going to see this sort of radiating uh, bands of sophistication uh, coming uh-huh. and going towards the center. And we call that concentric analytics. And the orchestration across each one of those uh, those rings is going to be very interesting next year. And, uh, that so sounds I, really cool. Yeah, yeah, thanks.
1: All right, well, I'll have to have a beer with you over that one so we can (laughs) noodle on that some more. Um, Thank you so much, Sean, for your time um, and your incredibly insightful thoughts. And with that, this concludes today's podcast. Uh, Join us um, on another podcast in the future and have a great day.